It's great on my eardrums like a moldy piece of cheese. You only get one life to live, and this is what you're doing with it? It's the road I like to travel. It's moments like this I crave silence. I wish I had a device that could put her on mute. If only that was the way to deal with those people. All right, we wrap up our series today with uh, those people. And uh, today we wrap up uh, looking at perhaps one of the most difficult places for us, and that's uh, the arena of the critic, the arena of the critic. And uh, just to give you a heads up, uh, starting next week, we start a new series called Habakkuk. I want to encourage you to put those uh, on your calendar, be here for those. They're going to be awesome. Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets uh, but he has a major word, and that's uh, a word we struggle with in understanding. It's all about, you know, how come uh, the world doesn't seem fair, and even sometimes, how come God doesn't seem fair. So just to kind of get your appetite going there, I uh, hope you're planning on being here for uh, the Habakkuk series. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but today, we focus on, on the critic. And uh, like I said, it's a difficult one for us uh, because, well, those people are just difficult people to begin with. Uh, but the topic itself, the experience itself, is also difficult for us because often this arena of criticism becomes a very difficult, painful uh, kind of place, right? So uh, just, just for the heck of it, how many people in the room, if there was a sign that said, you know, line up here to receive criticism, would get in that line? Yeah, I didn't think so, right? This is not one of those places we want to just step into and say, yeah, just lay it to me, man. Give me that criticism, right? I mean, it's just not something that we look to, not something that, that we relish in or that we enjoy. And yet the difficulty is, uh, and the first point for us is, we need to understand criticism is always going to come our way. And that is especially true uh, for Christ followers. So, so if you're following Christ and, and you're being bold in Christ, you, you need to get your head around and understand criticism is going to come your way. And the greater impact you make for the cause of Christ, the more criticism you're going to receive. That's the way it is. When, when, when you become an impact person for the cause of Christ, you just need to understand and expect that you're going to receive Criticism. Now, some of you may hear that and say, well, great, then I just won't make an impact for Christ, then I won't get criticized. No, that's not an acceptable answer, right? You know that, because I hope everybody at Christ Church understands that is why we're here, right? We're here to make an impact for the cause of Christ. That's what Christ Church is all about. And so, yes, we are going to make that impact. And because of that, we need to understand criticism is going to come our way. You can look in the, in the New Testament, see people who were doing it for Christ, uh, and they got criticized, right? I mean, Jesus got criticized, obviously, but beyond him, uh, whenever they were doing it for, for his kingdom, people were getting criticized. So I just threw a couple examples here of uh, the Apostle Paul. Would you agree that Paul is one of those guys who got it done for the cause? I mean, he kind of got her done for the cause, right? The Apostle Paul. Exactly. And Paul was repeatedly criticized. So here's one out of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. It's uh, Paul's writing, and he says, Look, I am not as free as anyone else. Am I not an apostle? 
Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Do you get a hint he's getting some criticism? Right? And what are they criticizing? Well, they're saying, well, who's Paul anyway? I mean, he makes a big preaching thing, and he seems to talk with authority. I mean, who is this guy anyway? I mean, he's not one of the original 12. He didn't walk around with Jesus. So, I mean, what is he to be able to talk to us about how we ought to live our life? Who is this guy anyway? A little criticism going on, right? And, and Paul's saying, listen, yeah, I get it. I'm being criticized, right? But listen, I'm an apostle, right? Or this is the one that's kind of near and dear to me out of Second Corinthians uh, Paul, again, is looking at his criticism, and he's saying, look, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of scripture than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. But I don't consider myself inferior to any of these super apostles who teach such things. Now, look at what he says. I may be unskilled as a speaker... But I'm not lacking in knowledge. We've made it clear to you in every possible way. What was he being criticized for? He's being criticized because he wasn't a very good preacher. He's being criticized because he's the Apostle Paul, because he's not a very good preacher. In fact, you go in the book of Acts, and, and he's in a house, and the house is jammed with people, and Paul is preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching, goes on preaching until midnight. Did you notice that, by the way? If you're free this afternoon, I can still keep going. He went on till midnight, right? Young guy's sitting in a windowsill, and he falls asleep. That's how good he was a preacher. He falls asleep, and he falls two stories to the ground and dies. Paul has to go raise him up to the dead, bring him back into the house, and what do you suppose Paul started doing again? Preaching. <laughs> so any complaints on length, I'm just saying, okay? Uh, you, you know? Right. But what's happening here? People are saying, Paul, well, he's just not a good preacher. He's just not a good preacher. We just need to understand that when we take a stand for Jesus, when we stand out, step up, and start impacting people's lives for the cause of Christ, we are going to be criticized. We're going to be criticized. Christ Church, we get criticized. You know, out there in, in, the, in the worlds I wander in out there with colleagues and stuff, you know, they look at Christ Church and, you know, we have our synod experience and all those things, and inevitably somebody will say, well, you know, you guys, you guys just aren't Lutheran enough. I'm like, I don't care about that, but I care about being Christ enough, you know. <laughs> but we get criticized. Why are we getting criticized? Because we're making an impact for Christ. You have to understand, the greater impact you make, the more the evil one wants to defeat you. And criticism is one of the ways he tries to destroy you. He uses destructive criticism to try to get a roadblock for your effectiveness for the kingdom of heaven. So just get it. Just accept it. Criticism is going to come your way. You with me on that one? What's the next step? The next step is you've got to ask the right question. When criticism comes your way, you've got to ask the right question. And that's what we're doing in the series. What are the right questions, right? Here's the question. Is this criticism, is this destructive or constructive? Because one of them you want to ignore. The other one you want to welcome. 
In fact, you want to encourage, right? One of them, you need to just push to the side. The other one, you need to take in, take serious, and grow from, right? So you get to start and ask the question, listen, is this destructive or is this constructive criticism? How do you tell the difference? Well, if you look in the Scripture, you see examples of destructive criticism. Destructive criticism is usually vague and personal. It's vague and it's personal. Here's an example. It comes out of Numbers 12. God's people are being led by Moses, right? Took them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he's leading them out there, getting them to the promised land. Moses is the leader, right? What happens by Numbers 12? Numbers 12, while they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. So what's going on? Moses starts getting criticized by his family. <laughs> Surprise, the family is criticizing? Nobody can relate to that, huh? Nobody in your family. Well, surprise, there's criticism in the family. Well, there's criticism in the family. So Miriam and Aaron start criticizing him. But notice what the, the first kernel of criticism is. The criticism is he married a Cushite woman. But when they offer the criticism, what is absent from the dialogue? Any discussion of the Cushite woman. Instead, in verse 2, what do they say? Paul, who does he think he is? Is Moses the only one the Lord can speak through? I mean, after all, he's just Moses. I know who Moses is. The Lord can speak through me too. What are they doing? They're not talking specifically about the issue and saying, listen, Moses, we're not sure marrying a Cushite woman is in the will and desire of God. They're not talking about that. What are they doing? They simply attack Moses. They make it vague and they make it personal. Destructive criticism often comes vague and personal. You know, you really hurt me when you did that. It really upset me. It really made me mad. Well, why exactly did it make you mad? Well, it just did. Have you heard that before? Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, Pastor, worship really wasn't too good this morning. Oh, really? Why was that? Well, I just didn't feel it. Really? What is that? Right? It's vague and personal. Vague and personal. Destructive criticism often comes vague and personal. If it's coming vague and personal, you need to be able to name it, understand it, and call it what it is. It is destructive. Second thing about destructive criticism, often destructive criticism is contagious. It's contagious. It's like measles at uh, Disneyland, right? It's contagious, right? It just spreads, right? Just the nature of destructive criticism is that it just spreads. So we get in Numbers 12, Miriam and Aaron, the family, is criticizing Moses. By the time you get to Numbers 14, it says the whole community, the whole group, the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. And they plotted on themselves, let's choose a new leader and get back to Egypt. What happened two verses later? That criticism has infiltrated the whole community. Destructive criticism often, not only is it vague 
and personal, but it is contagious. Other people will get on the bandwagon. Other people will jump on board with the, with the conversation. Other people will get engaged and throw in their two cents. And they'll be just as vague and just as personal. Last thing, destructive criticism by its nature is often removed. What does that mean? Look what happens. Psalm 106 identifies what's going on with this destructive criticism. It says what? The people refused to enter the pleasant land, for they wouldn't believe his promise to care for them. Instead, they grumbled where? In their tents. Are they talking to Moses face to face? No. Instead, what are they doing? They're grumbling and complaining and moaning and criticizing where in their tents. Awesome, just, just often destructive criticism has its roots in underground dialogue, right? It's not honest dialogue. It's not above-board conversation. It's underground dialogue where people get together and it gets contagious and they just grumble and moan and complain and they grumble and they moan and they complain together. And then what happens? Somebody comes to you finally and they say, well, you know, you really messed up doing that. And by the way, a lot of people think that. Well, who? Well, I, I, mean, I don't want to be the one to name names. <laughs> well, you know, Pastor, worship just wasn't really good this morning. Oh, really? Yeah, it just didn't feel right. And you know what? I mean, there's a lot of people who feel that way. <laughs> really, who? Well, I don't want to betray any confidences. Right? That's, that's not the way we do it. That's destructive criticism. Destructive criticism has a whole lot of grumbling. That's not the way we behave as Christ followers. Look at James 5. James 5 says what? Don't, what's the word? Grumble. There it is. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters. So he's talking to the faithful. Or, be, or you will be judged for, look, the judge is standing at the door. This is not the way we behave. Destructive criticism is not us. Right? That has no place for us. Destructive criticism is destructive. Because it's destructive, how do you respond to it? If you can name it destructive criticism, you need to be able to ignore it. You just need to be able to ignore it because it's destructive. Right? Look what Moses does. Again, we get to Numbers 12, and we've got Miriam and Aaron complaining and criticizing, right? The whole group criticizes. But look how Moses responds to the criticism. In verse 3, it says, Now Moses was very humble, more humble than what? Any other person on earth. Is that kind of pretty humble? <laughs> That's kind of like major humble, right? That's major humble. So what is Moses doing? What does this tell us about Moses? How he's responding to the criticism. Is he responding back and getting in Miriam and Aaron's face and saying, well, you know, you're just jealous. You're just jealous because I'm the man and you're not. You're just upset because I'm the guy with the staff making water out of a rock and you're not. You're just upset because the people listen to me and they don't listen to you because, after all, who would listen to you? I mean, is he getting in their face? No. What is he doing? He is stepping back. He is taking a breath. And he's having a conversation with God because that's what's important. 
What's important to identify is destructive criticism. And you identify it by its nature, and then you go to God humbly, and you say, God, is this anything I need to listen to or not? God, you tell me, is, is this something I need to listen to because you're trying to teach me something? God, is this something I need to receive because what I'm doing is getting in the way of what you want to do in my life? Is this something I need to receive because somehow I'm becoming a roadblock to your mission, to your purpose, to your cause? You've got to get humble before the Lord. Moses gets humble before the Lord and he ignores... Miriam and Aaron. You look at First Peter. Peter, First uh, Peter says about Jesus in the same situation, right? Being criticized and and persecuted. Jesus didn't retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case where in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. You have to be able to ignore destructive criticism, and instead do what? Just be humble before the Lord and put it in the Lord's hands. Just be humble before the Lord and put it in His hands. What's the bottom line? Here's the bottom line for us with destructive criticism. We can ignore it. Why can we ignore it? We serve God whether people do what? Honor us or despise us. Whether they slander us or... What's the point? We serve. We serve. Are we on mission? Are we doing what God wants to do with our life? Are we fulfilling our purpose? Are we in line with God's principles? Are we following according to God's word? Are we in sync with God's favor? Right? You need to ignore destructive criticism. I've been in ministry for 34 plus years. I got to tell you this. I wouldn't have made it 10 years if I didn't learn this principle of ignoring destructive criticism. Right? You just got to be able to do that because there's something greater at stake. And that's accomplishing the impact for the cause of Christ. If you listen to destructive criticism, you'll never be the person God wants you to be and you will never achieve what God wants to achieve. Can't happen. Too much destruction. Now let's go to the other page. You ready? Flip the page. That's destructive criticism. What about constructive criticism? Constructive criticism is totally different. This is totally different. This is the stuff that we welcome. This is the stuff that we encourage. This is the stuff that we need to have. Why? Because constructive criticism criticism comes to us as an opportunity for God to do something in our life. We're asking the question, what does God want to teach me here? What is, God, is this God trying to teach me something? What is it that he wants to teach me? Constructive criticism, by its nature, steps into our life with a purpose to build up. It steps into our life with a purpose to build up. Look at uh, Proverbs 15. Great one. Proverbs 15 says what? If you listen to constructive criticism, not destructive, if you listen to constructive criticism... You'll be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you're only going to harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you will grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. What's it saying? See, this is valuable. This is valuable to us. Because constructive criticism has the opportunity to build us 
up. And that is the goal of anybody who offers it. You see, if you feel like you need to share something with a brother or sister in Christ, you need to do a check before you step in and say, well, now am I sharing this because I've got an agenda here or am I sharing this because God wants me to step in in a positive way with compassion and gentleness so that I can build my brother or sister up in Christ so they can be more effective for the kingdom of heaven. See, that's the difference. Constructive criticism steps in for the good of the other. And we receive constructive criticism because we know it's more important to accomplish the cause the best we can accomplish it. You look at Galatians 6, it says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do what? Do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. If there's a brother or sister in Christ who needs to have us step in gently, compassionately, kindly in order to build them up so they understand how they can be better in the cause of Christ, we need to do that. If a brother or sister needs to step into our life and be able to do the same thing, to gently and humbly speak into our life authentically so that we can receive constructive criticism to make us more effective in the kingdom, we need to receive that. You know what this really means, right? You ready? Pay attention. What this really means is you all need to be in a small group. Oh, surprise! Why did I tell you that? Because that's where it happens. This is what we're talking about with small group. That's where it happens, right? Brothers and sisters getting together, centered around a word for the cause of Christ so they can speak into the lives of one another tenderly, compassionately, and kindly to build each other up. That's where it happens. You see, we should welcome constructive criticism. We should seek constructive criticism. We should put ourselves in environments where God can speak to us through our brothers and sisters. Get it? That's why it's so vital. Why is it that we need to get it? Here's the difference between destructive and constructive. The big difference. While destructive is vague and personal, constructive is is specific and missional. Constructive is specific, and it's about building you up in the cause of Christ. Here's like a great example out of Galatians 2. It involves two heavyweights, okay? Two real impact people for the cause of Christ. Paul, the apostle, and Peter, the apostle. Two heavyweights? You bet. Okay, so what happens? Well, if you read this, what happens is uh, Peter is... Uh, shows up in Antioch and while he's there he's hanging out with the Gentiles and he's eating with the Gentiles and he's partying with the Gentiles and he's praying with the Gentiles but there's some friends of James show up from Jerusalem and all of a sudden Peter changes his mind and he doesn't hang out with those Gentiles anymore because they're not circumcised. Peter changes his mind and he doesn't want to be open to criticism from the Jews from Jerusalem, the Christ believers coming from Jerusalem, who were friends of James. Paul has a problem with that. Paul has a problem with that. Why does he have a problem with that? Because it's getting in the way of what? The truth and the mission for the cause of Christ. So how does Paul respond to this problem with his brother, Peter? 
right here. But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him. How did he oppose him? To his... No grumbling in the tents. There was no tent grumbling going on here. Right? What was he doing? He was stepping into Peter's life because he was concerned for Peter, building him up so that he would stay on mission for the cause of Christ. He stepped into his life face to face, and he says, listen, what you did is very wrong. Is he specific? Absolutely. He goes on to say, when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers that, he, that were not circumcised. Afterward, some friends of James came along, and Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism. He's naming it, isn't he? He's naming it. This is the conversation that he's had with Peter. And the conversation is what? Specific. And it's all about the mission. See, that's constructive. That's constructive. That's the conversations that God uses to encourage us, to mold us, to make us into those better followers of Christ for the cause of the kingdom. That's constructive criticism. You need to welcome constructive criticism. It means that our words then, as we step into other people's lives or they step into ours, they have to be full words. They can't be empty. It's what it says in Matthew 12. Jesus says, but here's what I tell you. On judgment day, everyone will have to account for every what kind of word? Empty. What is an empty word? What is an empty word? Well, it's, it's a word that has nothing to it, right? It's empty. It has no meaning. It has no purpose. It has no int- it's an empty, empty word. That's destructive criticism. Those words are empty. Constructive criticism is intentionality. It is to build up. It is to encourage. It is to strengthen. It is full of compassion and kindness and gentleness. We need to step into or allow others to step into our lives with full words that are focused on building us up for the mission. Last piece. The real ultimate question then for us is if we look in the mirror about those people is how do we not be one of those destructive people? How do we remain constructive? Besides, of course, getting involved in a small group. How do we remain constructive? Well, Paul says in Romans this, Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. That's destructive, right? Let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble or fall. What do you need to do? Well, the first thing you need to do is just decide you're not going to be one of those people. You just need to decide. You need to be convinced that God just doesn't want his people to behave that way and be destructive. And just decide. Let God put that on your heart. Let God convince you that's just not the way God's people behave. And instead, embrace the opportunity of stepping into other people's lives to build up gently, compassionately, and kindly. Proverbs 12 says, Some people make cutting remarks... But the words of the wise do what? Bring healing. How do you not be destructive? Examine your words. Examine your words. When you step into somebody else's life, examine your motives and your words. 
What's the purpose? Is it about what God wants to do in their life? What are your words? Are they empty words or are they full words? Gentle and compassionate that will help them grow and heal. We are all going to have those people (laughs) in our lives. We're all going to have criticism come into our lives. The question is, is it destructive? Ignore it. Is it constructive? Receive it and grow from it. Let's pray. Father, thanks uh, today for uh, this time that we've had in these weeks of uh, just struggling with those people in our lives. And uh, even with the truth that sometimes uh, we are those people. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to not be destructive. But help us to build up, help us to be constructive, help us to embrace uh, not only a willingness on our part to step into other believers' lives in a constructive way, but to open it to others, to step into our lives, to help us see things we can't see on our own, to know things we just can't seem to know on our own. And Lord, we pray today that you would just convince us to decide that we would be constructive people for the cause of the kingdom. Help us keep making that impact, whatever the consequence and whatever the criticism, that we will be relentless in the cause of Christ. And that means even reaching those people for Jesus. We pray it in his precious name. Amen.